I'm Cam from the Nerdbook Review, where we strive to broaden your fantasy horizons. Today, Chris and I will be bringing you Priest of Bones by Peter McLean. We will provide one more new review episode for the year. That will be Empire of Sand by Tasha Suri. After that, we will have two more episodes on the year. They will be our favorite books of the year, and then another one where we'll just have our favorite books, authors, um, maybe just random little things about our reading history, and then we will get into some more new reviews again, starting around the first or second week of January. I know that those end-of-year type episodes are kind of silly, but they're fun for us as uh, podcasters where we can just kind of talk one last time about the favorite books of the year. Also, it's giving me an opportunity to finish off a series that I have read for years now and loved. Uh, My kind of dirty little secret is I just absolutely love alternate history novels. And S.M. Sterling is actually the author who I have read the most between his novels of The Change, The Emberverse, and um, some of his stuff he's done with David Drake, the uh, Belisarius type stuff. Anyways, uh, I think I've read something like 23 novels from S.M. Sterling at this point. And he did finish the series off this year. I actually haven't read the last three, and I've just decided that I want to finish those off. I finished one of them off last night, and I'm going to get the next two read here in the next couple weeks. All right, I'm going to quit rambling on, and I'm going to give you a quick spiel, and then we'll get right to the episode. You can reach us on Facebook uh, via the Nerdbook Review page, on Twitter at Nerdbook Review, on email at nerdbookreview at gmail.com. Feel free to recommend books to us, to talk about the books that we've already talked about and reviewed. Uh, We love interacting with people. It has been a lot of fun recently interacting with uh, two or three people that do listen to the podcast, and I have just, uh, it makes it fun as a podcaster. Also, if you would be so kind as to leave a rating and review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to this podcast, that would be wonderful. We have not had a review in a little while. I know we haven't had too many episodes out recently, but if you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review. All right, I will stop talking at you and get to the actual review. Thank you very much. Hi, I'm Cam. And I'm Chris. And this is the Nerdbook Review. Today, we will be reviewing Priest of Bones by Peter McLean. Chris, how are you today? I'm doing very well. Awesome. I'm recovering from Thanksgiving <laughs> meal and family and drink and ready to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And I uh, am recovering as well from one. Uh, I have another Thanksgiving to go to tonight <laughs> and uh, I'm finally starting to recover. We have a majority of the uh, house remodel stuff done now. You do. Yeah. And the new baby, uh, Betty, she, her and Katie are both doing well. Uh, she's awesome. yeah and she's a much better baby than bran was <laughs> uh of course bran we didn't know he had food allergies until he was several months old so there was a reason he was an angry cry monster <laughs> and we just are assuming she does so not mm-hmm. eating those things and she sleeps like five hours at a time basically it's just wonderful awesome <laughs> and congratulations thank you yeah, she's currently uh, sleeping with Katie. Hopefully, she'll stay that way. So, And hopefully, Bran will stay <laughs> either watching TV or napping. We're not quite sure. He's in the bedroom. So, hopefully, we'll get these two episodes we're going to do in today. Yeah. All righty. Let's go ahead and talk about this book. 
Peter McLean is also the author of the Burned Man trilogy. Uh, I haven't read that, but it looks like it's a modern urban fantasy about an alcoholic magician hitman. That uh, sounds awesome. Yeah, it does. Uh, and the uh, first one, the heel plot is apparently he owes a demon money from a gambling debt. <laughs> so, uh, like I said, I have not read any of the trilogy. So, uh, technically, this is his uh, debut of like a true epic fantasy mm-hmm. since the urban one is set in, uh, I think, like modern day London. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, the book is 352 pages long. It's the first book in the War for the Roses series. Um, it was published by Ace Books, which is an imprint of Penguin. Uh, it just came out, I think, the beginning of November of this year, 2018, if you're listening to this sometime in the future. <laughs> Uh, Chris, would you be so kind as to read the Goodreads blurb? Sure. It's a dangerous thing to choose the lesser of two evils. The war is over, and army priest Tomas Piety finally heads home with Lieutenant Bloody Annie at his side. When he arrives in the stink, Thomas finds that his empire of crime has been stolen from him while at war. With his gang of pious men, Thomas will do whatever it takes to reclaim his businesses, But when he finds himself dragged into a web of political intrigue once again and is forced to work in secret for the Sinister's Queen's men, everything gets more complicated. When loyalties stretch to the breaking point and violence only leads to violence, when people have run out of food and hope and places to hide, do not be surprised if they have also run out of mercy. As the pious men fight shadowy foreign infiltrators in the backstreet taverns and gambling dens of Tomas's old life, it becomes clear. The war is not over. It is only just beginning. Well done, Chris. Uh, my quick one is uh, Lies of Locke Lamora, as if written by Mark Lawrence. If you understand what that means, uh, you've either read one of those or both of those authors or listened to our podcast episodes of those authors. Uh, so this one is only 352 pages long, uh, but if you know what I mean by like Lawrence's writing style, uh, if he had written Lies of Locke Lamore, it would have only been 350 pages long instead <laughs> of uh, uh, being 750 pages long like it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, far more direct, not so much mm-hmm. flowery quotation. Yeah, he's um, economic with his words. Yes, he is. And I uh, really, really appreciated that. I actually read this. It's somewhere later in my deal. But I read this in one day. Yeah. I had, I think I got rained out at the beginning of November one day. I left Brand at daycare. I sat down. <laughs> I started reading this book yeah, like nine in the morning, mm-hmm. and I was done with it by the time I went to bed. Yeah, it is easy to yeah. to get caught up in it and just kind of go, and yeah. it's quick. Yep. Um, it's set in a single city for the most part. Uh, I guess at the very beginning, they're on the road on their way back from a, a big yeah. uh, war. Um, it's set in a single city. The uh, it's a late medieval early renaissance period uh, follows our own like level of tech where uh, you know probably in like the late early 1500s type of a time period technology wise where uh, there is gunpowder but it's just massive cannons like siege cannons yeah uh, no one's carrying around uh, personal guns uh, there are some explosives mm-hmm. that um, that happen in it but it's primitive you know it's not. Yeah. Uh, um, we're not dealing with guns. Um, Chris, what else do you think? Um, well, I kind of thought of, uh, I thought a, a fair amount about Sopranos because it does have oh, yeah. an element of organized crime. Yep, there's uh, certainly that. The, uh, the protagonists and antagonists uh, are sort of warring 
you know, crime syndicates in a way yeah. where, you know, they're, yeah. they're kind of charging the neighborhoods protection money and all that yeah. kind of thing. So for me, there was an element of the Sopranos, maybe a little bit of gangs of New York. Yeah, there is a little bit of that too. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny because the um if, when you first see him, you know that it's going to be like a little bit uh, uh, darker. Uh, Piety was uh, like a priest, uh, basically like of the uh, the god of soldiers, mm-hmm. and but he actually did fighting. Basically, the only thing that was really priestly is that he heard confessions from people of the, yeah. the bad things they did. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, like the gods aren't they're not taking an active role in your day to day life. Right. In this, uh, they may or may not be real. Um, we're not sure in this first book. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a good chance they are, but you're not. But it doesn't matter one way or another, basically. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, that's the the whole priest part of piety. Otherwise, he is, you know, he's a gang leader. He yep. took over when he was young. Him and his brother took over uh, a part of the city mm-hmm. and they did they started charging protection money yep. but they also did clean the city up like things were really really sure. bad it was like the poorest the, the stink it was the poorest part of town people were mm-hmm. starving um there was you know murders going on in the streets and now the he made it so that the only murders going on were ones done by <laughs> him from people that which d- is uh, actually a little bit of uh, another thing that it felt like uh while reading it was oh, there's a little bit of pablo escobar in there and, <laughs> yeah i guess so huh yeah where yeah. i mean the people loved him they did yeah i know that was wasn't he uh in uh columbia like voted like the most uh, <laughs> yeah. like both the most notorious and the most well-loved person yeah. in columbia yep yeah so and is, is his trial going on right now i don't know i haven't or am i thinking of totally wrong who's the person there's a drug lord that's oh el chapo yeah, yeah Escobar's dead. I think maybe, but probably. Anyways, I but I yeah, I haven't gotten to that uh, part of Narcos yet. <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So the uh, yeah, it's gonna be. Uh, it's a darker. It's grittier. Um, I really did think Mark Lawrence's writing style with uh, w- w- mm-hmm. when it comes to this. Uh, that's the person that reminded me the most of. But like I said, I that, li- that yeah, in Lies of Locke Lamore, uh, the main character, uh, Locke Lamore. He is also a priest of oh, okay. like basically thieves in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, he is, but he's not the bruiser fighter. He's got his buddy that does that gene who's works with hatchets and is like, you know, re- like actually well-trained piety mm-hmm. is pretty good with his sword. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a soldier, like actually fought in the front lines mm-hmm. and um, his, yeah, his priesthood really just kind of seemed more out of what convenience or yeah, I think their priest necessity. got killed in a battle. Yeah. And the guy who was in charge of the company at that point said, Hey, you're the priest. Now you're going to hear confessions. Yeah. And then that guy got killed and he was the second in command. So <laughs> then he became the commander and the, the mm-hmm. priest, you know? So not, a, not necessarily his calling. His no. calling was being a soldier and then being uh, in a way a mob boss. Yeah. Well, yeah, because basically everyone just got, every man got rounded up and, Mm-hmm. And, and press ganged into the army yeah. when this war was going on. And so, but what happens is at the beginning of the story, the war is over and he comes back to the city and him and some other actual basically crime bosses that live too, that were also mm-hmm. like, you know, part of, had their own companies in the, in the war. They come back and realize that, this, that their entire city has been taken over. Right. Well, and what, what essentially happened is when all of those crime bosses leave that void is filled yep and as they come back now there's 
a few too many crime bosses. Yep. And uh, piety and his pious men, mm-hmm. which includes uh, a couple of people in particular that are important. Uh, his brother. Did, how did you say his name? I spelled it just Jochen. It's J-A-O-C-H-A-N. Do you have it written down here? Yeah, somewhere? I forget. Um, the third <laughs> line went. or the third um, bullet. Oh, okay. Uh, I I think in my head I went with Joe Chan. Joe Chan, I, did you? Probably. I just <laughs> went Joken. I think is I don't know. Um, I like how in this I do like at the beginning. There's a just the um, it has a list of characters and mm-hmm. all it says for his brother is he is disturbed. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the best way to describe him. He yeah. was leading his own group of troops too. They weren't together in during yeah. the war. Him and his brother. And, uh, yeah, he's basically dealing, severely dealing with PTSD. Yeah. But he was also a psychopath before he went to the war. Mm-hmm. So now he's just a crazy guy with PTSD. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing this book really deals with, you know, I think great, is that there aren't too many, like, war is not dealt with as a glorious thing. All these guys right. are scarred from war, whether it's physical or mental. Right. And uh, almost every one of like the major characters has a breakdown at some point mm-hmm. during the the book because of their experiences, you know. Yeah. And that's something that, um, you know, that I think we don't we from like World War One on, you really think about that. But I mean, as soon as gunpowder was invented, things really got. I mean, you know, war. I'm sure was always hell, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there was always lots of uh, PTSD and people doing violent things because of it. But once you got gunpowder, I feel like it took things to a different level with a sensory overload. Yeah, that you just can't. That's harder to deal with. I, I mean, maybe with a lack of control too. Yeah, because so easily. Yeah, you know, in a in a battle with swords, you're kind of in control of your immediate surroundings. But with gunpowder, there's an element yeah. of oh, you can just you could just die. Yeah, from somebody way over there. Yeah. And there is magic in this um, book as a story as well, but it's pretty low magic in terms of uh, the way that operates for the most part. Uh, mostly. Mostly, yeah. It, it looks like I think it'll play a bigger role coming forward. Um, one of their, uh, the kid, mm-hmm. he uh, is a magician or has the ability to, but he's yep. young still, and so he's getting trained as the story goes on. Mm-hmm. Um he becomes reasonably powerful. Reasonably powerful, yeah. Like yeah. I, um, and it does mention that there's like a mage cabal somewhere off that doesn't take part in the actual fighting. It sounded like that sounds familiar. Yeah, and and it said that like in their whole army, I think they he mentions that there was only either like three or maybe six hedge wizards. Basically, is what they're what they are. Yeah, that do things um, that help out magically. So it's not something that you know is everybody has the ability to have. Yeah. And it sounds like you're born with the ability or you don't have it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to talk about Bloody Anne or any of the other the characters, Chris? Um, well, Bloody Annie, uh, like we had, like the uh, blurb mentions, is kind of his second in command. Uh, she is, uh, I guess, sort of a, a violent sociopath <laughs> as well. And uh, yeah. But far more in control, though. Uh, yeah, in control of herself. Uh, uh, takes very well to becoming uh, kind of the mob lieutenant uh, mm-hmm. after, you know, once once they're back. She... I don't know. Do we want to get into... Personal? Yeah. I don't know. She is a lesbian. Yeah. Um, but it's all, another thing where it's not the main, 
you know, focus of her, but she certainly is. Um, It's kind of one of those things that's, I think, hinted at here and there of like, well, why didn't her and Thomas ever hook up? Yeah, there's a little bit of that, yeah. Yeah, and then you find out, you know, I mean, that is Mm -hmm. a little farther into it, but I don't don't think that that's really a huge spoiler, though. It's not. And Yeah, and I I wasn't necessarily thinking that, but more just, and you can cut this if it does get spoilery, but the idea that they kind of take over a whorehouse that (laughs) she... Uh, ends up with a romantic relationship with, with one of them. Uh, yeah. One of the, one of the uh, employees. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, that's, I don't necessarily like, I think that we can include that in it as a saying that like, that's one of his businesses that he has to take back. Yeah. That, um, that was the he. So, I mean, when yeah, we say he, he ran a criminal enterprise, I mean, Hey, there's Sopranos too. Didn't he have some strip clubs? The too? Bada bing. The, yeah, there you yep. are. But yeah, so <laughs> that, uh, you know, it's funny. I didn't think I never thought Sopranos at all until you mentioned that, but yeah, there, but I, there are a lot of, there uh, are a lot, there are of, a lot yeah. of, yeah. So he has, you know, some businesses that, uh, and, and it's funny cause he kind of has to decide strategically which ones he wants to take back first because mm. he only has so many crew that he trusts right that, that are that came back with him i mean he's got a guy that's that claims to have been a knight he wears heavy armor <laughs> but he clearly was never a real knight but uh then you get uh um no he's probably got 20 or so guys between his crew and his brother's crew when they yep. come back when they start mm-hmm. um and then you go and uh, he'll recruit more as it goes as he needs to go on but he only has yeah. so much he can do so it's strategic right initially it is kind of a, a strategic increase of his influence where he starts at you know one specific location he he takes back that tavern which which was his very first business in the first place you Mm -hmm. know and then and then um, from there just starts kind of okay well this would be a good thing or this is nearby enough or we have the right people uh yeah which is sort of his mantra uh throughout the book is the uh the right man for the for the job yeah uh and he kind of uses that very effectively as he's increasing yep. his influence in his part of town and then other parts of town. Yeah, and it's funny because, you know, like we talked about that, the night that it wasn't a real night, but he turns out to be uh, a really good at providing security and he's really mm-hmm. good. He is, he. I think he's actually gay. So he, yeah. he puts him with the, in the whorehouse because <laughs> he doesn't have to worry about yeah, him that sleeping that with gonna, the... Yeah, yeah. going to... Uh, sample the goods too much as he i think describes it yeah so yeah so i mean he does that you know really does he (laughs) puts (laughs) od on his own stash (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so it's funny like you know they have uh the way that he he does and i just thought that it it dealt with each of the characters so well even Mm -hmm. the minor ones and especially in a book that's only 350 pages long yeah it got really in depth with uh with quite a few of the main characters uh, for a book as short as it was while maintaining yeah. uh, you know, continuity in the story. Yeah, well, I think that it's something like the same way that like Lawrence does it is that when he's describing a character, he's, it's not outside of things in like a random... Uh, he doesn't... No info dump. It's, I mean, yeah. it's... Um, he keeps the short page count but still has so much information because like the description of, uh, of of each of the characters is done in a scene of action usually like or right. where they're doing something and then that's important you know like he'll say that's what this is why I'm including or why I'm putting this guy here or there mm-hmm. it's not like outside of the main story where you have you know a, a several yeah, pages just, of talking about the guy yeah so um the I think the part that would be considered more spoilery if we got too much into it is um, the political intrigue part of it, mm-hmm. where you get the the Queen's men, uh, their mysterious 
Yep. Uh, they are uh, masters of like disguise and things like that, and they'll infiltrate things. But um, and that's in described in the blurb. But I don't know. Do you think we need to get any more in detail about the Queensmen? No, I think uh, with the Queensmen, what you have is uh, this book has its story arc. I think mm-hmm. that the Queensmen is probably the uh, War for the Roses story yep. arc. It's more important for the entire series than yeah. uh, than this book. Although you do have a major player. Yeah, uh, kind of, uh, I guess infiltrate or yeah, uh, knowingly uh, to Tomas. Yeah, but uh, only but, to him. Yeah, but yeah. So I think that that's probably kind of the jumping off point for this for the series rather than this book specifically. Yep. So maybe it's not you know worth getting into. Yeah, I in think depth that's a, here. Yeah. yeah, that's a good way to put it. I think that yeah. So for this book, it's it's important, but it's the and it's, definitely interesting and yep. yep. Yeah. Um, I think that one thing, though, I forgot to say, I was going to have this earlier on in it, but just a quote, like, for, like, the setting of the book is, um, and this is right off the bat, this is in, like, the first page or two, um, Tomas, um, his quote is, is that you have 65,000 Battleshock trained killers came home to no jobs, no food in the plague. What the fuck did Her Majesty think was going to happen? And I think that's kind <laughs> of like a good, you know, like... Where you have the whole battle, and I, you put in the, you know, when you said the gangs of New York, like a, mi- it's really is a mix between the Sopranos, the gangs mm-hmm. of New York. Uh, you've got that Mark Lawrence's uh, um, Prince of Thorns trilogy, where mm-hmm. uh, Tomas he might not be a, the psychopath that uh, Jorg was, or Jorg was, yeah, but he, but his crew is basically like, yeah, a trained killer psychopaths, yeah, and, trying to come back. And what else were they gonna do? Yep, it's uh, you know, it's not uncommon in actual war yeah. to have you know the troops come back, and their specialty isn't something that they can uh, ply yeah. their trade yeah. back here. Yep. And I think that that's just, I don't know, for me, everything tied together so well because of, I, I felt like it was realistic for being, you know, it's a total fantasy novel, but you can imagine that everything that happened, you can see why it happened the way it is. And it's mm-hmm. just, and he just did such a good storytelling job t- to me personally, you yeah. know. Um, is there anything else we need to get into about the details of the book itself? Um, no, I think we've, uh, largely covered as much of the story as, as we should you know, we should yep so chris did you like the book i really enjoyed it i did um i thought uh you know not to get nitpicky because i did really enjoy this book and uh you know i, I definitely want to get into the rest of it and but i thought that at times the uh right man for the job kind of became a deus ex machina Oh, maybe where it was kind of a okay well they have these tasks that need to be accomplished fortunately this guy can do exactly that i get you and then the next time same thing there's another person who can Mm -hmm. do exactly that um so that that there were i think throughout the story there there wasn't necessarily a to me anyway a uh a threat Mm -hmm. that you know might not be overcome i see what you're Uh, saying it just kind of seemed like maybe it was too easy but that said, that's nitpicky. I still super enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, I thought it's very well written. Um, but also the... Uh, I, I thought that uh, with the Sopranos and kind of the, the idea of the, you know, the right man for the job with Deus mm-hmm. Ex Machina, I, I couldn't help but think the, uh, the theme song, the 
woke up this morning and got yourself a kid that can kill people with magic. <laughs> yeah, oh, and that, that I had to put that in. I'm sorry. <laughs> there you are. Um, <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard. You know, it's been a long time since I watched Sopranos. So yeah, I, that's getting a while back now, huh? Was it, it done is. when we were in college, or was it still going on? I can't remember. I think it was still going on while we were we in college. We used to definitely in watch the early that. Early two thousands, yeah, yeah. But the uh, and yeah, and I loved it. Um, I told you I read it in one sitting. Uh, the writing style enabled me to stay in that movie in my mind that I drone on about all the time. Uh, I really just it seemed like I could see the city, I could yeah. imagine the characters, and uh, there wasn't anything. You know, we're, the next book we're going to do is a completely a completely different style of book, um, Empire of Sand, that we're going to discuss in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I really liked it, too, because the writing didn't get in the way of things for me. I yeah. really like a book these days that the book, to, to me, I feel like a lot of these newer authors, they don't need a 700-page book anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing just as much in 300 to 500 pages as yeah. as Jordan used to do in his, you know, <laughs> thousand page books. Yeah. And it's something that, um, that I just enjoy now. Yeah. And so I don't need the writing to be flowery. And I, as long as it does, this sets the world up for me, you know, and I just felt like this did an excellent job of that to mm-hmm. me in a type of story that I like too, you know? Yeah. And so, um, the on the whole usual how did it make us feel kind of thing like i really was entertained um chris how how i i liked being able to kind of get into the headspace of uh of tomas and kind of his crew mm-hmm. uh the villains are set up in such a way where you genuinely are rooting for the pious men yeah uh and and so yeah, it's it's there's a kind of a combination between yeah, the the entertainment value of uh, you know, just this kind of violent, uh, violent series of events, but there is kind of an emotional connection to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that adding in like the PTSD elements and things like right. that really did bring in the, like making the characters more understandable to, um, and more relatable that, I mean, you know, right. they're, so maybe they're not just the, you know, uh, Jorg Ancraft's, uh, crew of yeah. complete sociopsychopaths yeah. and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there's a little bit more relatability and, uh, yeah. sympathy. Yeah. Sympathy. Yeah. I mean, that's like, you know, there, when York's crew gets killed, most of the time you're like, man, that guy, <laughs> yeah, like, yep, that guy needed to die. Yep. And so, uh, I mean, even York probably thought yeah. that most of his crew needed to die. But most of these guys, and, and one thing too, there will be important characters that will die. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people will get killed off too. But um, they, yeah, they're they're a little bit more relatable. Probably not all these guys were psychopaths and sociopaths before they went to the war. You know, yeah, uh, probably a few of them were, but most of them surely weren't. Yeah, and so uh, you know, there's a reason why they've turned out the way they have. Chris, would you recommend to others? I would. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's probably an age range that I might not, but I would say, uh, you know, fantasy lovers definitely, uh, unless you have kind of a specific yeah genre that's your deal. Like if you only read epic, yeah, maybe not. But but yeah, uh, fantasy readers in general, and then even outside of that, because the it's not hot, like it's not high fantasy. The yep. you know there aren't. Uh, I can't think of 
uh, races or creatures or... No, I don't think there's yeah, any of that. It's, uh, so just kind of a, I mean, pretty low magic, low mm-hmm. fantasy. Uh, so I think that it could go outside of that genre as well. Yeah, if you like, uh, like maybe the dark. Uh, well, if you like like a mob story yeah. or something like that, yeah. you know, um, as long as you like something darker and grittier, uh, know that mm-hmm. people are going to die. Yep. There's foul language. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any descriptive sex scenes. Um, n- no, no. I mean, there's there's definitely sexual elements yeah. in it. Um, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's ever like there's not a scene where. They're yeah. actually having sex in the book, are they? Right. Is there? I don't um, think so. No. Not that I can remember. No. No. Uh, the biggest thing is going to be violence, um, yeah. like Chris said. Violence and and also a, a little bit of sexual violence. Yeah. Oh yeah. The yeah they do get roughed up, don't they? And um, then one of the guys actually. Oh yeah. Oh god. Yeah. There's a. There's yeah. definitely. I we got to say that. Yeah. I forgot about that scene. There. If you're triggered. Um, there is a scene, one of the other gangs has a brothel where the, uh, the prostitutes it, are young yeah. boys and there is a scene that where they were that basically they're going in and ending yeah, this brothel. Yeah. They're shutting this place down yep, and but at, at the time. Uh, I mean, there are clients there. Yeah. So that um if you know that's important yeah to if, know. if that sounds like something that you just genuinely do not want to read then yep. that part of it yep yeah yeah that exists i'm glad you remembered that because but at the same time back to where i said you are genuinely rooting <laughs> for the pious men that is a part of it you yeah. want them to just wreck people yep and the people that are doing that do get wrecked yeah uh, that's a spoiler that i feel like <laughs> i should <laughs> add in case you know once you have that uh if that's a trigger for you to know that, it, you know, the guys don't get yeah. away with doing yeah. that. So um, that's important note, um, like I said. Um, and it and it also, like, there's a... It plays into some things that happened to some of the characters, too, that when they were growing up, and yeah. there's a reason why they have quite... Why they decide to go after this specific place, even though it maybe doesn't make financial, you know, yeah. or... Uh, it, it doesn't quite make sense to go yeah, after this it, place when they do. It doesn't do. quite fit in with their chess game of yeah. expanding their empire, but it's but, still something that they needed to do. Yep. And so, yeah, um, just for me, well played um, all around as a story. Uh, like I said, I sat down and read it in one day. Um, that's the kind of thing that if I, that I, I mean, I was just so engrossed. I just mm-hmm. I didn't do anything else that I probably, I'm sure at that point I was involved in a remodel and I should have been, spent a day rained out doing house stuff instead i just read an entire book and you know yeah <laughs> so uh chris how would you rate it um well i i've uh i've been putting some thought into what ratings actually mean for yeah. me and so just as kind of a clarification for where i'm coming from i'm kind of thinking in the in the area of uh like three stars a book that i kind of enjoyed uh but i'm not necessarily going to seek out a lot more mm-hmm. uh more in the series if if it is a series or more by the author mm-hmm. uh four is one that i will definitely continue reading uh and then a five is one that i would read this specific book again and maybe again and again and again mm-hmm. um and this is uh, like i think when i finished it uh, under that rubric this was maybe a four leaning 
close four plus but mm-hmm. the more the more time i've had and then also discussing it right now that's pushing me closer to <laughs> i kind of would would read this again yeah um so let's say right now four and a half and who knows yeah if it keeps moving forward because i'll definitely read more i would love to read what was the i did the burned man trilogy yeah that sounds awesome i'm gonna give that a try yeah uh and then and definitely uh, pr- uh priest of lies which i don't know if you've seen the cover but it's pretty cool is it yeah hopefully we get a copy of that then. yeah yeah so yeah. yeah, and that you know, I really, really like your like how you've evolved into that, and that mm-hmm. you know, I think that's a good uh, thing that you know, a good rubric for you personally, you know, yeah. to have that. So because you're on as, as much as you're on this podcast, it's nice for people to, I mean, they can kind of understand understand what, what your what ratings means, are, yeah. and then. And then as mine has become, um, you know, I have my, I've all, I've invented my new one where I have a five plus is, is mine. Where, yeah. <laughs> so like I have a lot of books where I was like, oh man, I really enjoyed that book. For me, um, I was super happy that I spent however many hours reading this book. So it's going to get pretty close to a five star for me. Mm-hmm. And then there's books where, and I'm, I rarely reread except yeah. for my wheel of time that I'm on my seventh <laughs> re, re go through. But so it, it's um i think in the last um 10 years um the the two series for mark lawrence are the only ones i've reread mm-hmm. and then also up george r martin's at the up until now where i probably won't if if the book if the next book ever <laughs> comes ever out happen. i probably i'm almost i'm almost beyond that now like yeah game i got my game of thrones in too and i feel like that's going to be the closure that i'll get yeah so i'm past caring whether uh, Martin finishes the series or not even, you know, I mean, yeah, it is. It's great. It, what was out was great. If mm-hmm. I don't get any more, I feel like because I had the TV series, I'll be okay. Yeah. Um. But so as I, I still think that a uh, part of his delay, I feel like he gave the show his ending and now because of this, he resents the show and its <laughs> success. I <laughs> think I think that he's trying to figure out a different ending oh maybe like i feel like his prequel whatever that was i think that it's an excuse to adjust canon oh maybe to fit an ending that his books will be different so that he'll still have his thing maybe there's that i just want to throw that out there that's my wacky <laughs> fan theory there you are um, but but also in changing uh how i wanted to consider my ratings it's made me think about other books that you know maybe in the past i gave a score that under that rubric are a little bit different. Like maybe I'm going to reread the rules of super villainy. Uh huh. So <laughs> like, and we, I, I think, I think we, both I think we gave it a plus. four. Yeah. Because we were like, well, because it's not, you know, this big, cool epic yeah. thing, but in a way it is. And like, I, I feel like under this rubric that you might that, have upgraded that, yeah, a couple I of upgrade that. Yeah. There you are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's funny <laughs> to think about that. Cause Mine has evolved totally differently to where like I don't do a lot of pluses or like I don't yeah, give in a, between you in don't between. do a lot of the fractions. Yeah, I don't do a lot of like a four and a half. That's almost become what my five is now, you know, like yeah. to where I'm like because here the thing is, is I'm just I love fantasy novels and yeah. unless something like really triggers me or like or I'm just like, oh, this isn't that good, mm-hmm. then I consider it to have been a great time, you know, use of my time to have been to have read the book, mm-hmm. and so sometimes I'm higher, and then but then I have my ones like that are going to be like Priest of Bones will be on my favorite books of the year list. Yeah, 
I liked it that much. So that's where I get that whole five plus, you know. No. <laughs> I've got Rob uh, Hayes with his um, uh, City of Kings has got mm-hmm. my five plus. Uh, I had a couple books early on in the year um, that'll get my, you know, a five plus. And then mm-hmm. otherwise I have my five and then four star for me is um, a book that I thought had flaws, but I still enjoyed. Yeah. And then from basically if, it, if a book gets a three star below for me, then it probably wasn't that good. Yeah. <laughs> I tend not to. And not necessarily wasn't that good, but just not, not for you. Not for yeah. me. And that's another yeah. thing about it is that it's all personal. This is all and, totally personal. Yeah. yeah. And it's so funny too because well, and then, you know, honestly, what's funny too is, is also some review, a lot of reviewers will give the one and two stars. But if a book. Yeah, I have a hard time. Well, I don't. I won't that. finish the I, book. Yeah. And then I just, you know, it's funny. And that's kind of how I thought of like a one star would be a DNF. Yeah. But a two star for me is is also a one star is one when the book has like serious technical flaws and I don't <laughs> like it. A two star for me is, is the book's technically sound, mm-hmm. but I just didn't like the book enough to, to sure. finish it. And it's and I'll get a lot of and I we do a lot of uh, self-published authors on this podcast and mm-hmm. I do even more. Um, almost every book I read that's not for the podcast is a, an indie book, mm-hmm. and so I'll get a lot of books that I'll start and I'm just like, man, this isn't good. And then I'll email the author back and say, hey, sorry, book's not for me. I, I, if I, if you want me to rate the book, then it's going to be a one or two star. I'm just letting mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm just going to stop reading it right now. I got 10% in and sorry. But and so then yeah. that's one of the reasons why I don't cuz I don't feel like as a the this podcast for me is about like being a, a asshole critiquer. It's about <laughs> right. like more books that I like, you know. Yeah, and it should be. Yep. And that's uh I guess I haven't uh I haven't delved into kind of some of the serious side of being a, a a book blogger or <laughs> podcaster that you've gotten into, yeah. I, I get the fortunate side of it where I get to read a bunch of really cool books. Yeah. And, and then in between, <laughs> yeah. I, I read the ones that are really yeah. like already really well reviewed. And, yeah. and yeah. So, yeah. So that's one thing I guess I, you know, throw out there that maybe um, people, when they do think that I rate books too high, it's because for the most part, I, if I don't like a book, I just give, I tell the author, you know, with my indie ones, I'm like, hey, you, I'll give you a review if you want me to, and I'll keep reading this book. Mm-hmm. But if you would rather not <laughs> right. have a one or two star out there, then I'm just letting you know I'm stopping right now. Yeah. And so yeah. that's kind of the way I look at it, you know? Sure. And, and it so, is a lot more fun for us to chat about a book that's yeah. really good. Yeah. So, yeah. Our, I mean, our so bad you do want to lean an episode toward yeah. the, the good ones. Yeah. Well, in our episodes that, that aren't good, that I don't personally think we did a great job in are all books that we... Yeah. didn't care for you know and you're just yeah. like well how much more to, like bad <laughs> stuff i'm not i'm not an asshole by nature yeah you know? <laughs> we don't want to sit here and just like you know dunk on a book for 30 minutes yeah although apparently uh the other day we were brand watches these youtube videos now this kid mm-hmm. named ryan he's like eight he's the fifth or sixth highest paid person on youtube makes like a, he made like 11 million dollars last year he has his own toy line doing what just reviewing those a, surprise eggs like what's this they're little toy eggs or like little baggies or whatever like that you don't know what the toy is or a surprise okay. toy, you know or like like brand likes these little paw patrol ones where they're just in a silver baggie you can't tell what they look like and then you open it up and it's one of the paw patrol oh, okay. characters i mean they're awful but anyways but he and he has his own toy line now but the, i was looking all of like the top like three Oh, well, the top like three of the top five people on YouTube as far as money making money per year, mm-hmm. they don't actually even play video games. 
they're just assholes who critique people and make fun of people playing video on oh Twitch. And it's like, how? This one guy <laughs> makes like $14 million a year and doesn't play a single video game. He just dubs voiceovers of people doing awful on playing Twitch on Twitch mm-hmm. and doing like and being bad at gaming. It's like, how do wow. pe- people pay a lot of money, apparently, and watch a lot of these uh, videos? Yeah, well, if if people watch the videos, that's... Yeah. Although I've decided that some of these guys that do kid stuff make as much money as they do because Brand can't change the ad. T- can't, he can't skip past the ad. So all the kids <laughs> ones get watched. They don't actually get watched ever, I don't think. Hmm. They just... The kids can't skip past the ad, so they get watched. Hmm. <laughs> that's my theory. Anyways. <laughs> all right. Now we're just rambling on. So yeah. let's get to our second episode then. Chris, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.